Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, uh, you drive a car, right? I do. Yeah, do you drive one here today? I did. I drove one as well. Did you... Um Cut anybody off? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All over the place. Yeah. Honking, throwing up that middle finger. Yeah. Um, you know, just generally creating mayhem where I could. Yeah, I mean, it's what you got to do. I, I only ran two people off the road this morning. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I know. I'm limiting myself, saving my uh, my energy for the podcast, you know. Oh, but, that's, that's good, yeah. But, um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, we're talking about road rage today and really other indignities of the road. Yeah, and there are no shortage of them. All kidding aside, I mean, any any given drive to work or to visit family, to run an errand, you know, we we all encounter aggressive drivers. We encounter people who are maybe a little paying a little less attention to what's going on around them. There are no shortage of annoyances out there on America's roads. Yeah, and the other aspect of that is that cars give this this kind of autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. Sometimes it makes it seem as though uh, just because we're encased in this metal box, we're invisible to others, i.e. we see a lot of picking of the noses. Yes, um, I saw I, that this morning. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, uh, vaping, right? That's I've really? seen that a couple of times. Or I I can see you with your with your vaporizer huh. there. Well, I mean that could be legal vaping materials, or, or not. But Perhaps. but I have not I have not seen that myself. 
Well, I wanted to throw out this statistic from John Sasanis writing for Ward's Auto. He said that the number of vehicles in operation worldwide surpassed the 1 billion unit mark in 2010 for the first time ever. Uh, we also know that the volume of vehicles has increased by 35 percent since 1987. And yet the actual networks, uh, road networks to support those cars has increased by only 1 percent. So uh, more people on the roads, uh, more cars. What could go wrong? Yeah, what could possibly go wrong with the scenario with nice level headed people driving their gigantic killing machines down the down the highway in mass? Well, a little something called road rage. Um, it just happens to be one of the responses in a group of outbursts known as intermittent explosive disorder, which almost sounds like device, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's very similar to that because in with this kind of disorder, you have repeated episodes of impulsive, aggressive, violent behavior or angry verbal outbursts in which you react really grossly out of proportion to the situation at hand. So it's not just road rage. You have examples of domestic abuse, um, throwing or breaking objects, essentially the sort of adult temper tantrum, Mm. but more in a disorder fashion, meaning there's some really very real conditions at play here when the person is engaging in this behavior. And according to Randy and Laurie Sansone, in their article, Road Rage, What's Driving It, which was uh, published in the 2010 July edition of the Journal of Psychiatry, quote, road rage may be described as a constellation of thoughts, emotions, and behaviors that occur in response to a perceived unjustified mm. provocation while driving. And road rage may also be defined as those driving behaviors that endanger or potentially endanger others and are accompanied by intentional acts of aggression toward others, negative emotions while driving, and risk-taking. So road rage is one of those things that's been out there in the media for a long time, and not everybody has this very clear-cut definition about what it is, but I thought the Sensones did a great job of defining it in that context. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's easy to sort of, as you're driving and dealing with difficult drivers, it's easy to just sort of, Throw road rage out there as, a, as as an accusation against any perceived slight. Um, I, I think I've, I've, in my own experience, I think I've thought in terms of road rage when someone has just been clearly driving angrily. Uh, but that's a rather different thing than say the time a guy got out of his truck in a standstill and like walked up to my windshield and was was gesturing at me like he wanted me to get out of the car and fight him or something. You know? Did you? No, 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 no. But the interesting thing was, like, I'm just kidding. Like, what? You didn't? <laughs> of course, Did I fought out. Yeah, we we got out our sabers and went. Out. No, it was it was like a really crazy situation because he 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 like stands in front of my windshield and I look up and of course I'm just like wide eyed and appalled, I guess. And like that kind of took like that, that that took him down. Like that just the the anger sort of washed out of his face and he walked back to his giant truck. There you go. Yeah. Little advice, inadvertent advice from you. Yeah, don't fight the road rager, um, if, if at all possible. So road rage, yes, you're right, has become a catch-all term, and we'll talk more specifically about that. But when we talk about this idea of road rage or maybe road aggression is mm-hmm. the better term, what are the conditions that are set forth? 
Well, obviously, there's plenty of stuff out there on the road to ignite you, right? You have old people that are driving too slow, young people driving too fast. You've got cops lurking like sharks to prey upon our, our school of metal fish as we go down the highway. That's what I always feel like. I feel like I'm an animal in a herd or a school, uh, a fish in a school of fish. Yeah, shooting um, fish in a barrel, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's safety in the herd, but that shark is going to eat some of us. I uh, just know it is. Then you got sudden stops and stalls due to traffic, wreck, death, rubbernecking, pets, wild animals running across the road, the weather, so issues, the sun shining in your eyes, goes on and on. But the classic example, the, the big one, right, is the cutoff. Somebody cuts you off or you cut off somebody else, and then you've it's like in a direct affront to some people, right? You have invaded my space. You're trying to take me down a notch in society. People get super mad about this. Uh, people, I mean, this, this, is, this is one of the, the scenarios more than any that seems to result in violence. Well, especially the cutting off. Like, that's the yeah. number one infraction that people have a problem with. The honking, yeah, we can all sort of deal with that. But if someone actually cuts you off, mm-hmm. then they're getting into your personal space. And that's risky behavior. Right? Yeah. They're involving you in a potential accident. So what happens in the brain when this happens? When 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 an individual does uh, become enraged after being cut off? Well, first of all, stress hormone cortisol rushes through your bloodstream upping your blood pressure, okay? Next, adrenaline kicks in to heighten your aggression, while the feel-good serotonin drops and dopamine increases. So your emotional intelligence decreases and your body is now posed for flight or fight. But, of course, you're in this metal vehicle. You're locked away. This this individual just pulled in front of you. Flying away, fleeing is not really an option. So your body ends up going into war mode, right? And on top of that, we may be actually hardwired as humans to act more aggressively in crowds, which translates to that metal herd that we find ourselves locked inside of. Now, again, this isn't everybody. Not everybody's having this response to being cut off or, or any other infraction out there on the road. Uh, but it may lead you to ask who's actually perpetrating all of this. According to a 2010 study, Road Rage, What's Driving It?, published in the journal Psychiatry, we're mostly looking at young males as the primary perpetrators here. But there are a number of additional variables that play into all of this, okay? Uh, first of all, they're environmental, non-psychological factors. Uh, so you have to ask questions about your potential road rager. Are they driving an excessive number of miles per day? You know, is it their job to drive across country all the time? Are they driving busy roads? Are they driving crowded roads? Are they packing a firearm? Do they feel anonymous in their vehicle and therefore cut off from uh, any kind of judgment um, or perceptions about what they're doing? Um, is there aggressive environmental stimuli in the form of billboards or other signage? That's another factor that was mentioned here. And I can't help but think that music falls uh, into this area as well. Uh, right. Which, of course, we're talking about uh, Flight of the Valkyries, right? The most dangerous <laughs> song in the world, yeah, just according to science. Yeah. It just gets you revved up. You start thinking about flying Valkyries and your love for uh, for Wagner. Uh, but, yeah, just another bit of environmental stimuli that can sort of tip the scales, right? On top of that, you also have psychological factors uh, that contribute to a general tendency to displace anger and blame others. They also factored in unrewarding or stressful employment situations, as well as just the overall stress of modern urban living. And then finally, you have bona fide psychiatric disorders to consider here, especially alcohol and drug addiction, Mm -hmm. anxiety, depression, and antisocial personality disorder. 
Okay. So the statistical reality of this is very different from what the uh, perception, I think, is. So let's delve into that a little bit. Again, this is from Sansone's study, Road Rage, What's Driving It?, According to the findings of a Canadian telephone survey of more than uh, 1,300 people, 31.7% reported shouting or cursing at another driver, and 2.1% reported threatening to hurt someone or damage a vehicle. Now, again, two very different reactions. One is an implied threat and one is an actual threat. And then in another Canadian study of more than 2,500 adults, the 12-month prevalence rate for admittedly shouting at another driver was 32%, and then threatening another driver was 1.7%, and attempting to damage or actually uh, damage someone's vehicle was 1.0%. So again, you're seeing some of these statistics begin to line up. And what I'm talking about here is the actual road rage behavior is, is hovering about 2%. Um, another study that the Sinsons looked at was of 2,500 adults, and they found that about one-third of community drivers engaged in aggressive behavior toward another driver while on the road, but far fewer, again, we're talking about uh, less than or at 2% actually reported serious threatening behavior or damage to another person or vehicle. So what does this data tell us? It tells us that what most of us experience on the road is really road aggression or road anger. It's not true road rage where actual violence is involved which, again, is hovering more at just about 2% of the cases. And so this sort of boils down to semantics and this whole idea that we introduced earlier that it could be a catch-all phrase. So if someone's um, flicking you off, that's not road rage, but it could be characterized as such by someone uh, to whom the middle finger was thrown at, right? Yes, and it and it could also easily set somebody off to say, get out of their vehicle and stand by your car and challenge you to a fight. For the other person who actually yeah. is about to have an intermittent explosive yeah. <laughs> uh, moment there. So the reason I bring this up, the statistics or the reality of it is because you would think, anybody who, who was living in the 90s uh, would think that road rage was happening all of the time, because this is what we saw in the media. Yeah, it was quite the uh, the media sensation. It was the new uh, the, the the new just wonderful scare tactic headline, right? Uh, because of course, aggressive driving predates uh, automobiles. Even Britain's first speedway laws were enacted in the early 19th century. In fact, to stop horse-drawn carriages from quote furious driving. You can be <laughs> furious with just about anything, and mm-hmm. give humans credit, right? But uh, the phrase itself. Road Rage uh, was actually coined in the late 1980s by newscasters at KTLA in Los Angeles following a series of, of very real freeway shootings. But it was 1994 before Road Rage really picked up steam as a headline-stealing scare story. And it has, I mean, it has all the elements, right? Because it's this idea, you're out there, you're you're packed in with all these strangers, and then somebody snaps, right? Or somebody just has this explosion of anger with violent consequences. Yeah. And what's interesting about this is that you can go through Google Analytics and you can do a search for road rage Mm -hmm. over the past 20 years, you know, past 15 years, and get a good sense of 
how that that curve on the graph going up mm-hmm. really corresponds well to the mid '90s when it was reaching its apex, right? right. Being reported, and then you kind of see now where it's not as much of a concern, and yet the idea of road rage that is pervasive is still in our minds. Yeah, I mean, it's it was almost a viral um, consistency to it, uh, and, and people were on the, the media talking about, oh, well, what's what's causing it? Some people were saying, oh, it's political correctness that's that's causing these explosions on the roadways, or it's it's Hollywood car chases, or it's Mad Max to the Road Warrior specifically that's making people <laughs> drive like maniacs. Though I never heard of anyone throwing a grappling hook uh, out of a vehicle in L.A. traffic, but. Uh, but you'd think they would if they were inspired by road wars. Uh, in a 1998 article for The Atlantic titled Road Rage Versus Reality, um, and this is a, a key a key article that came out in the whole uh, uh, debate over, over road rage, Michael uh, Fomento debunked a handful of studies and polls that were really supporting the notion of road rage at the time. And he argued that road rage was just an excessively broad term that was applied to a variety of violent situations. And that it was ultimately detrimental because it also allowed us to ignore behaviors, actual behaviors and actual situations that were causing accidents, such as uh, one example that he brings up is people running red lights. Mm-hmm. That's a dangerous scenario that can result in, in crashes and fatalities. Uh, but it's also a problem that has been successfully treated with with stoplight cameras in many areas. But that's not nearly as sensational a concept as uh, the, you know, the bestial nature of, of the human rising up in your little car out there on the highway. It does. It doesn't sell papers. No, it doesn't. Right. The the human barbarian in tattered clothing yeah. speeding toward you. The reality of it is that when road rage does happen or even aggressive uh, driving, when it does happen, it happens in some really like boring gridlock traffic scenarios mm-hmm. when someone has been marinating and say like a two hour long traffic gridlock situation, that's when you see tempers flare. Yeah, and I do want to mention there's not a single um, traffic jam scene in Road Warrior. It's all it's all constant motion. There's no bumper to bumper traffic in that film. Yeah, because if it if it were, that would be an entirely different movie, right? <laughs> like the the sort of post apocalyptic circumstances would not have occurred. Yeah, though I would like to see a post apocalyptic traffic jam film. That would be good. Huh, all right. Someone's working on it. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential, and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month. Taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We're going to talk about the territorial markings that we make uh, with our cars and what we do to our cars and what that says about us when we have, say, a bumper sticker. Indeed, you do see the, the bumper sticker scenario out on the road is, is rather interesting because you see the, the cars without completely, just completely devoid of stickers and you have the ones with the sprinkling. And then there are the ones where every political or social or music-related interest that I have will be represented on the rear of my vehicle. Yeah, and I just want to mention this in passing. One of the strangest personalized license plates I've ever seen Mm -hmm. was on like an RX-7, you know, kind of a sporty car, driven by a guy, and it said, whacking it. 
whacking it? Whacking it. Like like whack-a-mole? I will leave the interpretation <laughs> up to you guys. Maybe he was the inventor of whack-a-mole, and that's how he made his fortune and purchased said automobile. Maybe. Yeah. But the fact that he had a personalized license plate <laughs> tells us a little bit something about him. And the reason we know this is because we were looking at a 2008 Colorado State University study by social psychologist William Zlemko, who wanted to see if drivers of cars with these kind of adornment, right, uh, bumper stickers, window decals, personalized license plates, and other sort of territorial markers, if they not only get mad when someone cuts in their lane or is slow to respond to a changed traffic light, if these people are more likely than those who do not personalize their cars to use their vehicles to express aggressive driving behavior. So, again, aggressive driving behavior could be tailgating, uh, honking, you know, just the other random stuff, you know, flicking someone off. Mm-hmm. So participants were asked to describe the value and condition of their cars, as well as whether they had personalized them in any way. And the researchers would record, you know, if they had seat covers, bumper stickers, special special paint jobs, stereos, or even plastic dashboard toys. Uh. And then they asked them a bunch of questions about their driving. And so to keep the participants from realizing what the team was getting at, they, they put in some you know, fake questions like, hey, what kind of music do you listen to in the car? Along with questions like, if someone is driving slow in the fast lane, how angry does this make you? And they used a pre-existing scale called use of vehicle to express anger <laughs> to ferret out those participants who might use aggression while driving. So, of course, people who had a larger number of personalized items on or in their car were 16 percent more likely to engage in anger-fueled road behavior. That's not huge, but that's significant. Mm-hmm. And so the other finding they had is that it, when it came to bumper stickers, it didn't matter if you had a bumper sticker that said coexist or world peace, mm-hmm. or if you had I love guns. You know, it, it did, the sentiment didn't matter. Just the fact that you personalized your car mattered. Now, sadly, it sounds like this study came before putting testicles on your truck became a thing. So I guess we, we sadly don't see that represented in the data. Although that would be in th- that would be under the umbrella of personalizing yeah. your car, right? So if you decide to hang a pair of metal <laughs> testicles on your car, you possibly could be in this category of uh, a higher degree of aggressive car behavior. So the question then becomes why? Why? If you personalize your car, why might you drive more aggressively? Well, the idea is that people carry around three kinds of territorial spaces in their heads. One is personal territory, like a home or your bedroom. The second involves space that's temporarily yours, say like an office cubicle or a gym locker. Okay. And then the third is a kind of public territory, so park benches, walking trails, and of course roads. Ah. So the idea is that you the more you personalize your car, the more it's becoming this sort of territory that you're wielding in these different spaces. Okay. Yeah, and you can see that sort of uh transform on the, on the road into a situation of like my space is uh, this position on the road that with a certain maintained space between vehicles, a certain maintained speed that I get to uh, to keep on the road, and if you infringe on any of those, you're infringing on this space. 
Exactly. And of course, that doesn't mean that if you have a bumper sticker or something in your dashboard that you're driving around recklessly. No. It just, this one study <laughs> just tells us a, a little bit of a statistic here. 16% more likely to engage in anger-fueled antics. Now, of course, another area uh, in which we uh, invest ourselves personally in our uh, in our automobiles and can get rather possessive uh, comes to parking spaces. And we've all encountered this, right? What you're 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 dropping by the uh, by the grocery store to pick up some things, right? Or uh, you know, coming in and out of work. Uh, the parking lot is busy. Uh, you go in, you get what you need to do. You come out. You're going to leave. You're pulling out of your parking place, and there's somebody waiting on the parking place already. And this weird territorial nature kicks in that doesn't make any sense, right? Because you're done with this place. You're about to go home or go on to the, the next point on your timeline. But instead, what do you do? You maybe linger a little bit. Maybe you, you make some, uh, some evil eyes at the person that's waiting or even honking for you to move. Well, 1997 study actually looked into this titled Territorial Defense in Parking Lots Retaliation Against Waiting Drivers. And they explored just how possessive we get about those parking places, demonstrating that drivers are territorial even when it runs completely contrary to the goal of leaving the flipping parking lot. So they conducted three studies here. In the first one, they observed 200 departing cars and they found that intruded-upon drivers took longer to leave a space than non-intruded-upon drivers. So, again, somebody's making a visual sign of, of waiting and being a little grumpy about you taking your time versus uh, somebody that you don't even notice, right? Study two involved 240 drivers with a manipulated level of intrusion and status of intruding car, meaning is it a clunker that's waiting on you to leave or is it uh, you know somebody in a fancy sports car? Mm-hmm. And they found that drivers took longer to leave when another car was present and when the intruder honked. So the honk is the kiss of death yeah. uh, if you really want them to give up that, that, that parking space in short order. They also found that males left significantly sooner when intruded upon by a higher rather than lower status car, but females' departure time didn't differ as a function of, of the status of the car. So to the males, it mattered. Oh, this is a big, important sports car waiting on me. I better move. But uh, the females in this study didn't care. Uh, and finally, they simply polled individuals at a mall uh, and asked what would they do if, if they were pulling out and somebody honked at them. And they found that the vast majority of them said that they would take longer to leave if the driver of the car honked. I have to say the honking is sort of terrible. And um, I, I've done it before. Mm-hmm. I had to ask myself, like, uh, have, have I kind of... Uh, waited around in my parking space before pulling out because someone was really impatient and did that. And yes, because I think of myself as an efficient egresser and enterer of the car and, and that this is something that I'm not usually, you know, hanging out in my car and doing stuff. Yeah. So it feels, you know, when someone does that, like terribly impatient. And I remember once that I got in my car and just sort of unwrapped a piece of Wrigley's gum for a very long time uh-huh. before putting the car in reverse. Because you do. It's like you're trying to exact some sort of punishment or justice. Yeah. Okay, this is still my space. This space is still mine for as long as I want it. And you will wait your turn, honker. That's right. Ten more seconds of luxuriously unwrapping this gum. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love 
you transformed a hundred thousand miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, and we have a weird relationship with the honk in in America, it seems, because uh, you, you go to other places, uh, specifically, I guess I'm thinking of, uh, of, uh, of Mexico and uh, some parts of uh, Latin America where, like, the honk is a, a signal to say, hey, I am here. Or it's, or it's more about just just letting other drivers know that you are present, or that some sort of accident situation might happen. But in the in the states, it seems like to blow the horn is to say you were out of line, and possibly potentially killing people. Well, I think it's the duration of the signal. So if mm. it's a quick beep, you know, or a quick honk, it's kind of yeah. like, hey, come on, watch out, I'm here. But the lay on but the, the lay on the horn mm. is the problem. And this reminds me too of the politeness episode that we just did, and we were talking about communication and directness, and how in mm-hmm. Russia, the the more direct, the better, and how people don't lose face, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't have a problem with that sort of negative. Uh, Feedback, but perhaps here in the United States, we're a little bit more sensitive to that, to the honk. Yeah. And that may be because we see the car as an extension of ourselves. We've already put out this idea that it could be a sort of territory for us, a third home for us or a second home of sorts. Um, but there's this idea that it could actually like physically embody us. And that is not a new concept that we have introduced on this podcast before because we've talked about tool use and how humans, we, we fold our hands around a tool and all of a sudden it becomes part of us. And we have body schema. We have a map in our mind of where we are in space and time and we incorporate these objects. And we've even talked about how the mind will sometimes adopt a fake limb in the right context, of course, mm-hmm. usually an experiment uh, as our own if prompted. Right. So we've got that sort of proprioceptive drift to other objects and people um, when the context warrants it. So it's not so weird to think that you could do the same thing with your car. Now, there's a 2011 Temple University paper by Ayalia Ruvio, who found that two studies on driving and relationship to car bore out this idea that a car could be an extension of yourself. And as a result, you could have stronger, aggressive driving tendencies. So Rubio and a colleague used 134 surveys of men and women in Israel, averaging uh, 23.5 years of age, to examine the influence of personality, attitudes, and values on driving. And the researchers also looked at the factors of risk, traction, impulsivity, and driving, I love this, as a hedonistic activity, (laughs) as well as perceptions about time pressures. And they did this with another 298 people, too. So they had a sort of part of this study that involved some of the people from the first study. And they saw an uptick in disregard for road rules, aggressive behavior, and the sense that these people were under more pressure in terms of time. So it's worth noting that this study is dealing with an age group that is younger. And as a result, uh, Rubio and her colleagues posit that some of this has to do with this attachment to car and extension of self through car with the fact that people haven't really developed their personalities fully yet. Mm-hmm. And so part of this car is informing who they think they are. Huh. And the sort of maybe the bleeding edges of themselves out there in a public space. Uh, and this is where we see things like the red car situation, right? Well, you, more like the sports cars that you're thinking, like the red sports car. Yeah, and red like, sports car. Yeah, hey, I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to tear it up on the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sort of Lightning McQueen persona. 
if you've seen Cars. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I have not seen it, but I know of what you speak. It's a kid favorite. Oh. Um, but uh, so, yeah, there's this idea that that part of your personality is being performed by the car. But then, of course, you have the risk taking. And anybody who worked for an uh, insurance company knows what I'm talking about. Or anybody who has someone on their policy who's under the age of 25 knows what I'm talking about. You're going to get charged more for youth when youth is driving because youth doesn't have the fully formed prefrontal frontal cortex that we've talked about before, specifically when we've talked about the teenage brain. Yeah, they're going to take more risks, more risks to fit in. It's uh, To the teenage brain, it's vital to find a place in some sort of social scenario so that they can survive. Right. And the prefrontal cortex and then the executive function of, hey, is this a good idea? Maybe not be as fully engaged at that age as you would want it to be. And of course, in America, those teenagers grow up into uh, into a culture that has historically loved its automobiles. I mean, the automobile industry has, at, I mean, continues to be a, a, a symbol of of American uh, ingenuity uh, and uh, an accomplishment and freedom. Uh, and freedom. Yeah, I mean, it's it, as well as uh, other uh, uh, vehicles such as the motorcycle, right? The 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 freedom to be out there and own the road. But uh, are times a changing? Uh, they might be, according to uh, a Pew Research Center uh, study from 2010 published as Americans in Their Cars is the Romance on the Skids. And uh, they, they looked at uh, the trends in terms of loving your car uh, versus just seeing your car as this thing you have to be in to go from point A to point B. They found... In 2010, that 69% of American drivers said that they they liked to drive, they genuinely liked it, and that was down from 79% in 1991. And just 23% said that they considered the car something special compared to 43% in 91. Now, the Pew survey identified a number of different factors uh, that were uh, contributing uh, to these trends. Uh, and you might think that gasoline might be a big one, but gas actually only came in at 3%. 3% mm-hmm. of people saying that gas, gasoline prices factored in to their, uh, their, their, their falling out of love with cars. Um, the big one was traffic congestion, 23% of those surveyed. Uh, another big factor... Uh, other drivers, 14%. So already we see, what, 37% tied to traffic congestion and having to put up with other people in the cars that make up that congestion. Uh, commuting adds another 10% on, on top of that. And then running errands uh, also contributed 10%. Um, and again, this is all... This is all pointing back to that idea that there's just more and more cars out there, more people driving on these 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 roads that uh, that just can't keep up with the increase in population. Uh, a national household travel survey in 2001 found that at that point, for the first time since uh, studies had been con- conducted, there were more personal vehicles on the road, 204 million, than licensed dri- licensed drivers, 191 million in the country. It's still noted that, that in that Pew survey, 69% of Americans, I mean, that's, that's still two-third margin of Americans who love driving. And we still do a lot, we still spend a lot of time in our car. We sing in there, we listen to music, we listen to podcasts, we talk on the phone, we read, we groom, we sleep. Uh, but we do, we seem to do a lot of things that are about making do with our time in the car, or even sort of transcending that time we have to spend in the car, versus just really loving the road. 
Yeah, and I think you're touching on something here with technology becoming so much more a part of our lives and informing our lives that we begin to look for these bits of stolen time, right? Mm-hmm. Where we can listen to a podcast or listen to music or access one million other things that we can uh, via the Internet. And so this idea that Tesla co-founder and CEO Elon Musk has is really interesting. He thinks that computers will do a much better job than us when it comes to driving to the point where statistically humans would be a liability on the roadways and would be banned from driving in the future sometime. Yeah. I mean, he makes a comparison to elevators, right? In the old days, you got in an elevator, there was an elevator operator to make this uh, piece of machinery go up and down. But uh, it got to the point where we didn't need the operator anymore. The technology was such that the elevators took care of, it, of everything. And if you had an operator, it would hinder the process. Right. And so you've got these two different things going on. You have computers rising to the occasion mm-hmm. to, to do this in a way that is... Um, manageable, right? Not cost effective now, but perhaps in the future. And then you have us consuming so much media and trying to find spare moments in our lives that we're pretty open to trying out something like this. If it means that on our commute, we Mm -hmm. could read a book on um, a device as opposed to sit there in, you know, knuckle whitening traffic, uh, trying not to yell at someone or get angry about something. Indeed. And ultimately, computers would be able to just manage the flow of traffic more efficiently. In this scenario, you wouldn't have to worry about all the little things like rubbernecking and tailgating. Everything could be, it could, there could be a standard distance between cars. A standard speed could be maintained. And yeah, to your point, you could just lean back, read a book, and not worry about all those little things on the road. Yeah, sounds lovely. And uh, according to the Boston Consulting Group, fully automated automated driverless cars could make up nearly 10% of global vehicle sales, or about 12 million cars a year, by the year 2035. So it's something that could happen, you know, over the next couple of decades mm-hmm. here. Yeah, we've been de- developing the technology for some time, so it's really not a matter of, of if, but but when. Yeah, and, and also a matter of like, well, how are we going to muck that up as humans, yeah. you know? Like, how are we going to express our status in these driverless cars or maybe even just having a driverless car at that point becomes uh, a status object? And what will Whackenit think of it, right? Will he appreciate having uh, this free time in the vehicle or is he going to miss uh, command of his vehicle on the open road? And what will he be doing in his vehicle? We don't know. Just no way to know. Nope. All right, so there you have it. Road rage, aggressive driving, um, something I think we can all relate to on one level or another. If you want to check out uh, more topics uh, related to human behavior, automobiles, what have you, go on over to StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's the mothership. That's where you'll find all the podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, links out to social media accounts, you name it. And uh, you have ideas about this? You want to share your the traffic infraction that drives you the most crazy? Well, you can do that by sending us an email at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. 
Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 